I'm telling you, good citizens are going to turn into real concern and revolutionary citizens real soon. How do you feel about being complicit in perpetuating that? The greatest hoax ever perpetuated on the American people, and you're part of it. Now we're supposed to have unity. Let me tell you something. I'm part of the new resistance. Another edition of the New Resistance Podcast. Let me know what you think about what I'm throwing down at the underscore NRP at yahoo.com, the NR Podcast on Facebook, and the underscore NRP on Getter and Truth Social. And don't forget to hit like and follow while you're there. This show is released using Anchor. It is the spot to make podcasts. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Your episodes can be distributed to Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, and so many more, all at one time. Anchor has everything you need in one place, and it is free. So stop everything you're doing and go download Anchor in your app store or at anchor.fm. Okay, so today we are going to get down with some history. I haven't done any in a few weeks, so I thought, you know, this is the day. It's time to do some more history. That being said... Well, let's get into this. All right. Power. There's one thing 100% of the time about power that is guaranteed. And we're going to talk about what that is here in a few minutes. But first, let's go all the way to Athens, Tennessee. It's a small rural town between Nashville and Chattanooga. You see, we have certain notions about how the world works, who the good guys are, who the bad guys are, from reading books, watching movies, TV shows, and so on. I think most of us hold those who wade into the chaos to keep us safe I think most of us hold them in high regard. Well, get ready to root against the cops today. Here was the situation in Athens, Tennessee in the 30s and 40s. Traditionally, this was a red area, a Republican area. However... In the 1930s, FDR was on the rise. When you have a political phenom like he was, it's going to raise the tide. 
you have Democrats getting elected where Democrats have never been elected before. And what is one thing that the Democrats have always done quite well over any other party? It's corruption. Let me explain something about corruption when it comes to local politics. You have people who control much of what goes on around you and you probably have no idea who they are. A lot of the time, it isn't actually the mayor, city council, county commission. It's the big political donors and groups who everybody, everybody owes a favor to. Who has dirt on everybody. A couple of examples in the Springfield area are the Springfield Chamber of Commerce. And though he's no longer alive, but John Q. Hammonds was another one. Well, in Tennessee, there was a man named E.H. Crump. He's taken over this area. For now, we're focusing on Athens and McMinn County. When I say taking it over, I mean he runs everything. You want to be mayor? Want to be in this or that elected office? If you want this good paying city job, that county job, you had to go to E.H. Crump. And if he didn't want you to be you don't stand a chance. He's a kingmaker. And God help you if you're ever on his bad side. That could mean anything from losing your seat in office to you die. E.H. Crump has taken political corruption to a level not seen in the United States very often. You see, he also chooses the sheriff, which is an elected position. Except elected is a strong way to put it here. Now by elected, I mean this. At this time, Athens itself had about 7,000 people. In a countywide election, for sheriff, the votes were collected by the sheriff's deputies. Once they collect all the votes, the deputies take all the boxes down to the county jail, where they are counted in secret. If anyone from the opposing party attempts to poll watch, if they're lucky, they're just thrown out. But some are even arrested for being troublemakers. And well, wouldn't you know, E.H. Crump's guy gets elected every time. Every time.
What luck, huh? That's not quite it, though. So, the elected sheriff picks the deputies. Except here, the deputies don't officially get paid. Why, you might ask? Would anyone want to be one, then? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Because in this time, in this place, being a deputy actually paid quite well. You got paid for each arrest you made. You heard that right. They would round up anyone they could find and arrest them. Even the sheriff got in on it. He'd routinely pull over buses, like tourist buses or whatever, step on, grab people off, and arrest them. Just so he could get paid. But mm, it gets even worse yet. You know what pays better than arresting people? The rich who pay not to get arrested. These deputies and the sheriff, they are the terrorists in this area. Oh, hey, come on in. You, uh, you got that envelope that, uh, that you owe me? Boy, what a lovely sunny day out there, isn't it? Sure would be a shame if something happened to you or your business on this lovely day, wouldn't it? See, these men would beat you or even kill you if there was no envelope or if it came up a little lighter than usual. Hasty, and you're listening to the New Resistance Podcast. Thank you, and tune in again. See ya!
And welcome back. This week, we are talking about rampant corruption in 1940s Athens, Tennessee. I kind of got off track there for a few weeks on the history stuff. I, I enjoy the crap out of history. I find certain periods of history just fascinating. Okay, back to Athens, Tennessee. It is well known how dirty and corrupt this area is. You can't win elections or do business without bribing people. However, it gets even worse for GIs. Military service was a huge thing in rural Tennessee. You were a young man, World War II breaks out, you sign up. This is Tennessee, baby. Let's rock and roll. Time to kill some Nazis. Time to go kill some Japanese. Let's do this. They head off to war. The GI's coming home on leave or permanently. They're being assaulted. Sometimes they're even being shot at by the deputies. You see, the deputies they're getting now are so much worse than what they had before the war. Because the young capable men who you'd want to be deputies have all gone off to war. So the sheriff, his name is Cantrell, by the way. So Sheriff Cantrell was deputizing actual criminals giving them badges and letting them run wild. By now, it's known everywhere how corrupt this place is. Um, by everywhere? I mean, FDR's DOJ investigated these guys multiple times and somehow never took any action. Now, hmm... Now, it, it surely didn't have anything to do with E.H. Crump being the one who brought this area into the fold for FDR. Couldn't have been. Nope, couldn't have been. Remember, E.H. Crump is the king around here. Very powerful. His tentacles even reached as far as the governor's office. Okay, back to the GIs coming home. So upon returning home, they would get what's called muster-out pay. There's a bill passed in 1944 called Mustering Out Payment Act that provided money for returning soldiers. Basically, you'd return home, and the Army, the Marine Corps would cut you a check and so a couple troops come home and get shot by these deputies this quickly spreads amongst the other GIs in the area these are army marine corps guys who've been fighting in North Africa most of them 
weren't exactly breaking eggs. They were putting rounds down range. They were watching their buddies being killed. And now they're hearing their brothers are being shot by some corrupt sheriff's deputies. See, the deputies knew where these guys lived. Knew they'd just gotten home. You're under arrest, son. Unless you'd like to hand over that check you just got. So, understandably, they're pretty angry. Pretty pissed off. A veteran by the name of Knox Henry decides to run for sheriff in the next election against Cantrell. Not as a Republican, by the way, but as a straight-up reform candidate. He's running to stop this corruption. You've got a whole lot of vets from other counties who take zero crap from anyone. Zero. Who've decided they're coming to watch the polls. Just to make sure, you know. Also, E.H. Crump owns every newspaper in town. They print anything and any propaganda he wants. And even that isn't working. The people aren't stupid. They know the sheriffs and his deputies are the bad guys. Crump and Cantrell bring in criminals from all over the state to be poll watchers. Here's you a gun, here's you a badge, and now you can arrest people. All right! So, election day is shaping up to be a tense one. Now, I do have to pause real quick for a short side story. I'm going to tell you a brief story about me because I want you to understand something about the mentality of veterans, especially grunts. You change when you go to war. You have to change in order to change from being the person you are now to being somebody who can pick up a weapon and shoot someone in the face you have to make adjustments because you don't want to be that guy now in your daily life. And I don't want you to be. You have to adjust mentally. And then when you get back, like it or not, it takes time to adjust back. Some guys, sadly, can never do it. But it takes time. When I got back from combat, I went back to work in construction. Got out of the Marine Corps, went back to work in construction. We were doing a project in Arizona. I'm not going to name the town. We are doing a construction project in Arizona. And you know I hate thieves, right? I hate them. We had these big boxes. where They were Connex boxes, they were called. Just It's a big metal box where at the end of the day, you would put all of your valuables, all your pieces of machinery, shovels, whatever. Whatever isn't tied down is going to get stolen. So you throw your things in the Connex box, shut it, and lock it at the end of a day. Well... We had a bunch of thefts pop up. You see, we had some semi-pros in the area. They could cut through our Connex box. They were cutting through, and they were stealing our thing. What would the normal reaction be to something like this? 
to call the police, right? Phone the police, file a report. Maybe they even come out and investigate. That's what we would do. Want to know what he would do? Well, hang tight. Hey guys, just a reminder, if you have any comments, questions, or suggestions regarding anything about the show, email the underscore NRP at Yahoo or post a comment at the NR Podcast on Facebook and hit like while you're there. We're talking a bit of history today. Before we get back to the actual story, let's finish our little side story first. So, what was his solution to the thieves breaking into their connexes and stealing their construction equipment? Remember, he's just coming home from combat in Iraq. He's still adjusting to life as a civilian again. Let's listen to the rest of this clip and see what his solution was. You know what my solution was? Walked in my dad's office. And I told him, no, it's okay. I'll just, I'm going to get a couple weapons and go hide in the Connex box and I'll kill them when they come back and do it again. This is a real conversation I had. I was a few months out of combat, a few months back. And I didn't see anything wrong with it. And my old man could not have been cooler about it, but you could tell he was, he's looking at me thinking, wait, what? He knew I was dead serious. He, he, he knew I was dead serious. He said, no, we're just, we're going to call the cops. We'll just, we'll just, we'll just call the cops. And looking back on it now, I obviously think, whew. That was probably a little drastic yeah, for a couple of dirt balls stealing a chainsaw. 
but without hesitation, without a second thought, I was just going to go kill him. Now, it's not because I was some sick freak. I mean, I am a sick freak. But that's how you have to think. You think in terms like that in combat, and you don't just turn it off when you come back. Now, I want you to keep what you just heard in that clip in mind as we pick our story back up. Okay. Athens, Tennessee. It's 1946 now. You're a GI, you're fresh out of combat in North Africa, where you've been fighting Erwin Rommel's Nazi troops. You're back from intense fighting in the Pacific, where you've seen the Japanese do some of the most horrific, nightmarish things that you could ever imagine. You've seen your buddies shot, stabbed, incinerated, all over the world. And you've had to return the favor. And here you've come back home to find the sheriff's deputies bullying and killing your people. Now remember what he was talking about in that clip about making adjustments and what his first instincts were. Needless to say, if you're one of these GIs, you start thinking in different terms. It's election day. Both the deputies and the veterans are poll watching. To say it was tense would be an understatement. Eventually, an old black farmer comes in to cast his vote. Remember, they were bringing in criminals from all over the state, all over the south, and deputizing them. Well, one of the scumbags having his views of the racist variety being from out of town sees this black guy come in thinks he can talk to him and treat the farmer however he wanted assuming he's with like-minded people uh except didn't work like that in small towns like this. The deputy proceeds to dig a hole for himself by telling this farmer he cannot vote and calls him the N-word. Now, as you can imagine, the black farmer takes issue with it. So one of the other deputies takes out brass knuckles and hits him. Black guy takes off running, ballot in hand. The deputy shoots him in the back. He also thinks he's gotten away with it. This scumbag criminal has not a clue what he has just caused to pop off. The veterans are enraged. The townspeople are enraged. They show incredible restraint by first calling the state's attorney general and are told, what? Wait, what? Wait, what? Who is this now? 
You're calling from... You're calling from where? They're blown off. You see, they're all in on the corruption. They're all in on it. From the deputies, to the attorney general, to the governor, all of them. So the veterans are on their own. There's no one coming to help. A mob of pissed off citizens has gathered. The cops are far outnumbered. They take a couple of the vets, poll watchers hostage, as well as the vote boxes, and barricade themselves in the jail. It's now at the point where these veterans have had just about enough. They go to the National Guard Armory and loot it for all the weapons. <laughs> you have World War II vets, freshly out of combat, armed to the teeth. <laughs> well, seven of these cops followed them there. But you see, those cops had no idea what kind of beast they were up against. <laughs> Soon, all seven of them were chained to trees out in the woods. And the veterans just left them there and head back into town. <laughs> While they were gone, one of their buddies, who had lost one arm and multiple fingers on the other hand in North Africa, had been nearly beaten to death with a blackjack by one of the sheriff's deputies. This just caused the outrage to tick up a little bit more. Now all the deputies and the sheriff have retreated into the jail. The veterans have surrounded the jail and demand for the ballots to be brought out. Now. I personally haven't experienced it, but when I say surround the jail, understand that there is how you and I would surround the jail, and there's how trained combat veterans would surround the jail. Combat isn't just shooting your weapon. It's movement, it's communication, it's getting into position. These veterans not only have military-grade weapons, they have the place surrounded and are better at killing than the deputies inside. At some point, a couple of cops come out making threats, getting too big for their britches. A couple of cops go down. Cock, shoot, bang, they're down. You see, those deputies aren't dealing with a helpless farmer now. These are the big boys. Those two cops crawl back into the jail. The soldiers begin to blow things up, burn things down. They start dynamiting squad cars, throwing Molotov cocktails. <laughs> Told you this was going to get good. The sheriffs... And the deputies were scared out of their minds. They asked the veterans if they can get their wounded out. The veterans agree. 
After all, at this point, all they're asking for were the ballots. Except when the ambulance rolls through, Sheriff Cantrell and the other deputies jump in the back and take off, leaving the wounded behind. All right, now as you probably can guess, this did not calm things down at all. The veterans rushed the jail. Let me remind you, these are men who know exactly what they're doing. Fire, maneuver, communications, explosions were undoubtedly used. If for nothing else, than to just confuse. They storm the jail and find the wounded deputies sobbing and begging not to be killed. They, of course, do not. The townspeople surrounded one of the other deputies and slashed his throat open. The veterans had to stop them from finishing him off. Another had been shot in the face. Imagine the hatred you and I would have if we had been helplessly preyed upon by these deputies, by these guys. You know the guy who hit the black farmer with the brass knuckles and shot him in the back? Yeah, he almost gets beaten to death as well. The people are angry, very angry. The veterans take control of the whole town and declare martial law. Now, Knox Henry does become sheriff for two terms. The only platform they had was anti-corruption. No more free gambling dens, no more prostitution, no more moonshining, no more bribery. In fact, they even armed the citizens. There was virtually no crime. All right, hold on. I want you to listen to this. It's not going to be easy, but I think you need to hear it. This is an email from a very close friend of mine I've known for a long time. He served several tours of duty in Afghanistan, and it speaks to the damage some of these soldiers, these heroes overseas bring back with them. Some of it isn't all physical. He said this, a lot of people don't understand what it's like coming home from combat after doing things for your country. We have to live with what we've done. I feel I've forfeited any chance to see my daughters in the afterlife. When your ROEs were to smoke check anyone with a shovel and an orange bucket, including kids, it was like the Wild West. And your enemy changes you. You grow a hate inside you that you can't come to terms with. You watch your Marines die. You watch them get maimed. Losing legs, arms, private parts, all the while, knowing the locals knew where the IEDs and ambushes were, but they didn't tell you during one of the many shuras you sat in on. Usually they were 15, 20 pounders, which would take out a leg or both, sometimes a hand and part of the arm if you were carrying your weapon at a low ready. The worst was a 50 to 75 pounder. That turned you into what we called pink mist. My friend went on to write, 
You hate yourself because you lived. You hate yourself because your Marine killed himself when we got home and you couldn't prevent it. You hate yourself because you get drunk texts from your Marines telling you they love you and thanking you for what you did for them over there. But they're hurting because you had to give them orders to kill kids. You have to carry that hate for the rest of your life. It doesn't go away. It's actually gotten worse. You have nightmares almost every night. You hardly sleep. Your daughters die in really bad ways in your dreams and you fear it's punishment for what you did and they may come true. But America doesn't care now. You're a statistic at best. You're hated at worst. As I said at the very beginning, there is one guarantee about power. And that is there's always a time limit. What's crazy about it is the people who have a hold on it almost always conduct themselves as if it's going to last forever. Power does not last forever. And if you'd like to avoid being beaten and shot probably a good idea not to abuse people when you have it what did it take for that group of bible believing townspeople to hold down a deputy and slice his throat open it took being abused over and over and over for far too long. That's what it took. If you're looking around at the complete leftist globalist controlled disaster that is our American system now and you're thinking not only are we in a horrible spot but we're racing in the opposite direction. And if you are remotely anything like me you have these moments where you reflect on our lost culture and our disaster of a system and you think this is this is hopeless what is the point yeah I spend countless hours on research I do this show I'm involved with Queen City Watchdog. I volunteered and knocked on doors for campaigns. And you know, I have these moments where I'm asking myself, dude, why even bother anymore? I mean, why? Why even bother? Well, this is why. Because there's an expiration date. 
when and how it expires, only our creator knows that. But I do know there is an expiration date on these corrupt scumbags who's running things right now. Whether we live to see it or not, there is. How do we know this? Because history tells us so. This is why I talk history on this podcast. We're here to learn together. We're not going to get our minds tangled in thinking that this is the only time this has ever happened. Because it isn't. It never is. You're going to have these moments. It's human too. But just know that their power will not last forever. There is an expiration date. Hey, go and take a listen to all the other episodes and then blast the word out about the MRP to everyone who will listen. Well, shoot, even if they don't listen. This is the New Resistance Podcast. My name is Seth. Bye, everybody. See ya!